We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Adam McGee. And I'm Andrew Snyder. And you're listening to make time for this. Probably a part of your podcast network of the Blue Wire podcast family. I am the eldest boy. Just want to get that out there up front. I am the eldest boy here at GSPN. I, I legitimately am. I'm not forgetting about, you know, my other brother who's not in the room. I am actually the eldest boy. And for this discussion of the finale of Succession, I am joined, of course, by Andrew. You heard him already. Hello, Andrew. Welcome. Glad to be here. And also by Jordan Tresky. Hello, Jordan. Hello. All the people who are worried about this episode being three hours just breathed a deep sigh of relief when I didn't introduce Numak. Of the people who want it to be three hours and want all the new Max they can get there. They're maybe a little disappointed, but Jordan's going to bring it. Jordan always brings it. Damn right. We're going to talk through this, not in a way like we talked through last week's episode. I don't think we need to go beat by beat. It goes without saying, if you're listening to this, this podcast is uh, entirely filled with spoilers for the finale of Succession. And in fact, the entire show. There is... There's no part of the show that we will not be spoiling at this point. So if you haven't watched the final episode yet, you should probably do that before continuing to listen. Let's start just going around the houses. Jordan, we'll go to you first as our guest. How did you find, how did you feel after the final episode of Succession? Um, right after... Well, that, let's let's not talk about what you actually then did after Succession, which is watch the no, I, show. No, I will not talk we, about. We're not going to talk about. No, I will not mention the name of the show Barry by name. Um, <laughs> uh, felt very uh, content, uh, very satisfied with how they stuck the landing. Not unlike 
Green Bay Packers super fan Simone Biles in her gymnastics days. Um, now that a couple days of re- being removed from it, thinking more big picture, there's the final episode finality of everything. And then it's like, well, what does it feel like as a succession episode? And having rewatched, not all of it, but kind of doing a little bit more broad strokes of of a rewatch. And I have to say, I think it is incredibly fitting. Not that that wasn't already the case, but uh, I just, I, I don't know how they could have done it any better and have it fit the ethos and consistency of the show. Um, that was my big question of like, we've seen so many good episodes throughout this series, but obviously this like finales of each season just kind of felt like they, they, de- they definitely knew how to close out a season. Um, it is a lot different doing that with the series, but also doing it in a way that kind of fits the, in succession's case, the last 39 hours of, of watching it, I guess it, 30, whatever it is, 39 episodes. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I I don't know. I I don't think I was like blown away or like anything. What's the word? This is probably worth diving into later, but yeah. Just very satisfied. I can let Andrew go first because I have thoughts on, I think, where you finished up there. But Andrew, what did, what did you think or how did you feel when you finished the finale? Yeah, what what I want from a TV show finale is to get to the end game and and feel like the conclusion that they've left me with is true to what I've been watching the entire time. That it is like that succession was succession down to the very last shot. And it was. It was exactly how it should have ended. It was compelling, well acted, well written, and uh hilarious and also uh brutal and and that's what succession is and that's where they ended up with everyone getting what they deserved in cases of the family and then still kind of what they deserve in other areas but we'll get into that later and like you go through watching a series for in this case four seasons and you know you learn the nature of the world the way the characters behave their motivations and for something like Game of Thrones, it was the same case. And then the, the last season feels like a cosplay season of the show that we love. And Succession, the entire way through, felt like Succession. From the day the first episode aired, to Logan Roy dying, to the successor, quote-unquote, being named, it never stopped being the show it portrayed itself to be, and it did not portray pe- itself at the end. And I think that's going to be just huge for defining its legacy and i think anyone that came away from that with a sour taste in their mouth like i just don't see it i think it's about as perfect as a tv show ending can be Uh, to be fair i don't think there were were too many people i i mean i saw some grumbles but only critically there was much let me attack those straw men adam (laughs) (laughs) i like i i do think in terms of in terms of a terms of a universal approval rating it's probably as close as you're ever going to get for a finale 
and it is kind of because much as you were talked to Andrew, it was never interested in being any show other than Succession. And at no point did Jesse Armstrong and his writers waver from that. And I think that also ties into what you're talking to, Jordan, where it's kind of a little unusual for a finale. Because it's not like there was a... I mean, there there was a twist, but it's a twist within the episode, right? Yeah. And it ultimately isn't entirely shocking within the wider scape of the show it, it, it kind of it can settle and make sense quite quickly there's no just here's something we're pulling from way out of left field or actually you thought you've been watching this but we're going to show you how all these other breadcrumbs have been here and that's leading to this there's none of that and it's just not the show to do that and it couldn't do that there was a lot of people speculating that all kinds of really, I mean, everything that happens on the show is dramatic and quite a like Shakespearean way, but all kinds of dramatic in a bordering a melodramatic kind of way. I saw lots of people predict various outcomes in terms of deaths or whatever it might be. And it's just, it's not, it's not that show. It's if it's going to kill people, it's going to do <laughs> What it did to Logan, which is kill him off in like the third episode of a season when legitimately everyone least expects it. And it's going to then have the time to really unpack that with the characters rather than have someone die and have that be the final kind of, I don't know, the parting blow that the the show leaves its viewers with. It's not. It was never interested in that. It's not what it is. It, it was about this family and their relationship and the dynamics between them and how broken they all are because of their father and how yet they all still want to be their father and the world around him is as broken as his family because he's built that way. It's, I mean, in a lot of ways, by the time you get to the finale, it's even more fitting that Logan, they decided to have Logan die earlier in the season because you're left with even his business associates. You're looking around and you're like, this is very much in the way that Uncle Ewan talked about the the funeral. It's this is an entire world built in his image, and this is his real family, his business family. All of these people are as broken and corrupted because they've been trying to get his approval, and they've been, you know, the brunt. They've borne the brunt of his anger and his demands over many, many years. And so all these people are kind of left scrambling around, trying to make sense of something, trying to make sense of the only thing they know and trying to hang on to that, um, find ways to get more of it for themselves or make it more of their own. I I don't think it could have been much more fitting. I do think there's there are some elements of the episode that were weird, not that I disliked them, but like an interesting choice, and I think one that worked very well to let bordering on 40 minutes of this kind of build in a way that brought the siblings closer together than ever before and let us see them really have a good time and laugh together and also i guess be about as nice <laughs> to each other as we've seen pretty much throughout the entire show and during that spell it did not feel like a succession episode 
I did not feel certainly like the finale because it just seemed like such a diversion. But it was used very, very wisely, and I think ultimately was needed for the payoff. Um, it is it is quite a jolt. It is quite a kind of an about face when the ultimate revelations end up playing out and we get to the big finale. But I do think that in its own right is a smart way of like we knew in advance. Okay, the episode's gonna be like the guts of an hour and a half long. What are they doing with that? They kind of made a normal succession episode, but they also put in there the work for these three kids, their relationships, and to really kind of get us in the space again of what's gone wrong with these kids. And I, I think it really worked worked out. Like I think it's the right kind of choices to be making. If you're like, what what do we want to show? What do we do different? What's the thing that's going to surprise our audience in this finale? To me, the most surprising thing you probably could have done at this point is have the three kids together in the kitchen, like laughing and joking together and actually seeming like brothers and sisters. I think yeah. the setting is uh, key to making that all work and because it feels like the diversion that you're talking about, but it also is a slumber party at mom's house, like takes them back to a headspace that, isn't the, the boardroom um and so when they're in that environment they're more able to humanize one another and just like in shiv and roman's case for that moment make concessions based on s- some of the intel that kendall had received from cousin greg and then just be human beings be brothers and uh a sister and goof around i mean i love the bit where roman and shiv are joking about murdering kindle but it would just be such an ordeal and inconvenience i thought that was great you know the 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 uh, the smoothie was a little much uh for me uh but you know all, I all real jeremy strong all real and he did really drink it like so oh i've expected nothing just less like of course but like she's just on top of everything else that's in it that she's spitting it and kendall's just like Jeremy Strong is just like, yeah, just just down the hatch. And supposedly from take to take, he'd just he'd knock it back and then he'd go outside and he'd retch and he'd come back in and he'd do another take. What a legend. Uh I'll let you go in a minute, Jordan, but uh yeah, it's just the work they're doing to set you up for the gut gut punch during that sequence is great because Kendall, the eldest, uh <laughs> if we don't include Connor, um, looks like someone who just opened their present and blew out their birthday candles. And eventually we know that that cake's going right in your face. Yeah, I I was getting a little bit nervy with it. Because I was like, as Adam mentioned, of like, well, it's a, a little bit longer runtime, you know, I want to say probably the longest one before that was maybe like 75 minutes, which it doesn't seem like a lot of time just adding on 15 extra minutes, but it it's a lot at that point. It's, it's a lot of time. Yeah. And you're it, going to you feature know, film. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want it to be like a meandering sort of thing. You know, that's where it's like, okay, are we losing the plot a little bit? But in this case, I think it really worked out incredibly well. Um, in a lot of ways, just because it was a way to recenter everything between the three and 
it goes from, you know, they're have knives out at each other. And then it goes back to like actually taking them and putting them back together and then be a unified front and actually thinking like this is going to work out this time. Of course, as we will get into, it does not. But like even like the the conversations that are had and obviously the big thing is like the, the making the smoothie meal fit for the king and all that stuff. But like it sets up Kendall specifically, but I think it, how they talk about what it means to be the chosen one, so to speak, and how each one of them feels like it was made for them and they can never, ever, like, just never drop it because that's how they view that position. Even though they see what it does to people, what it's done to themselves around, not just within, you know, amongst each other, but with their family, significant others, all that kind of thing. And they still just hold to the belief that it should be theirs, even though they have gone out of their way to bungle it time and time again. And it's like stuff like that, that just is like, you know, Kendall's, there is the, the, he's going through the, the reasons why it doesn't work for like Shiv and it doesn't work for Roman. And he talks about like, I was seven Mm-hmm. and all this stuff and then it i i can't remember if it was like roman like left or something like that it was just him um Kendall and shiv oh. talking about it or something like that yeah he talks about like he's too fragile to do this i'm a business psycho blah, I, I think blah, blah, he blah. goes i think he goes beyond that i mean the the business psychos on he says to roman but in that's speaking, right okay i'm speaking to to shiv I, I think he uses, you know, he could embarrass us. Like it's, he he completely changes his tone on Rome. Uh, honestly, I think he's probably telling the truth, and he's not wrong in the moment. He's not wrong based on the history, but it's a good example of just how kind of, I guess, how fragile the accord is, and how even like they're all smiling they're all getting to a place that's convenient and yet there's also But it's never safe. It's, there's it's, still It's malicious. There's something still under there because they all want it for themselves and that does kind of set up what ultimately happens which is And I mean t- to be fair I was when we ultimately got to the vote and this I was falling into exactly what the show wanted us to it's what it done. It gets to Roman and you're thinking is Roman gonna pull the plug here? Uh because Which, of coincidentally, that's what Shiv was thinking as well. Yeah, and and Kendall was thinking because Kendall audibly, which you know, <laughs> having walked into the boardroom with his siblings, like if you were, I don't know, let's say Stewie, and you're like, I'm team Ken, and then Kendall is actively celebrating that Roman is on his side. That seems a little bit weird. I, I do think though. Kind of, it was almost like dramaturgically necessary to separate the three siblings. I mean, you could have found a way that has Tom, although you can't because of the direction things are going and the games Tom's playing, or maybe Greg in a space where it is more confined to the people who feel like the primary characters. But ultimately, it's about the three kids and taking them away, putting them. was it Barbados, Bermuda? Barbados, yeah. Um, putting them away from 
everyone else because the, the reality is and i think the difficulty that they probably had as a writer's room when you sat down to write this and okay here's the direction things are heading it would be very easy to have someone like matson dominate this episode and you can't do that for the finale the sh- the whole show is not about him no he he has kind of grabbed hold of a lot of this season i think in part because alexander skarsgård's performance has been so good and obviously that character has been completely central to everything going going on. But as this new is, Logan, yeah, in a lot of ways, in a, in a and, lot of ways, and like the another character who didn't actually figure here, but there's been an element of that too is Jared Mencken. Like you kind of you stack these characters on top of each other, and they equate to Logan, um, at least in a way that the children and the hangers-on all have to gravitate around them and worry about their every decision and try to get ahead of them. That's that's really how the show has evolved and kept a lot of the, the dynamics that are succession. But now, with the vacuum that was left without Logan. But I, I think it was a really smart move. And I'm, I missed it. And I only noticed that on my rewatch on the like previously on succession bit beforehand... Roman says in the car last week that did you get like the invite to to mom's thing in the car? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which there was a lot going on in that car journey last week, so I guess that wasn't the thing that like was was really kind of catching my attention. But I had missed that, which also is kind of interesting when Roman's just there and everyone's like, "Where's Roman?" And so I'm like, "Well, Ro- Roman told you where he was going to be." Um. But yeah, I, I think that kind of structure, as much as it was different, it definitely had me thinking and fighting the urge to kind of start looking at my watch and being like, how long's left? How long's left? And they're still here? They're still doing this? What's When's when's the rest of it going to start? Which I think is some of what you were kind of getting at too, Jordan. It's, there's a restlessness because you're like, well, it's, we've got to get resolution to like the big stories and the key players that have to involve in that are back in New York. But I, I think that ultimately worked out very nicely. Do you want to talk about some of our favorite moments from the episode? I don't know if anyone has any jumping to mind that they they want to start off with or anything in particular that kind of stood out even as being essential to the episode that you'd like to talk about. Uh just a moment for me, uh that uh like just brought home everything that I thought about Tom. Uh because I think he was the perfect person to be in this meat shield position that Matson needs him to be in. He tell, tells him he needs a pain sponge and Tom has been that the His entire experience. way through. Yeah, he that's what he's, he is and he, he's going to go to jail. <laughs> Yeah, he's a cockroach you can't stomp on and kill. He's going to keep coming back, even after disastrous uh, testimony or whatever we're calling it, deposition. I can't remember how you would describe that, what that was. Deposition. He, he just, yeah, he just keeps finding his way. You know, he's leading Parks and Cruises. He's leading ATN now, and he just keeps staying alive. And as the vote comes down and we see Kendall just catatonic walking to the elevator as Tom just coolly, confidently knowing how many people in that room don't respect him or would as uh, 
Frank and Carl said they should have slit his throat in the cradle or whatever it was. He knows all this. There's uh, all this loaded context around how he's viewed in that room, but he's stepping into the role he was born to. And there's just like a newfound confidence and put togetherness from Tom. Like when he's asking where uh, Carolina is just beautiful. Two thumbs up. Love that moment. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think the interesting um, thing about Tom, right, and about it being Tom and Matson identifying Tom um it'll lead into one of my other big moments because i i don't know if matson was thinking about that before this episode shiv shiv gives tom the job in her scene where she's like tom will suck the biggest dick in the room and she goes through all of the things that matson needs to hear for a ceo about you know he'll be flexible in this kind of situation and you can just get rid of him if he becomes too much of an annoyance in this way. Or she just basically lists through all of the things <laughs> that she's doing it in a way which is appallingly like self-interested in her own positioning of trying to say, literally cover all our bases and say anything he might want to hear, not caring about her husband's job security at all, our place in what the new look organization would be. But instead she gives him the perfect candidate like really just it's right there for you and obviously we see the one-to-one after that which 
might be my favorite scene in the episode like just amazing amazing scene alexander skarsgård some of his best but also the stuff that matthew mcfadden's doing with his face when when matson's like yeah you know another other circumstances you know might, might like the fucker and Tommy's just batting it away and kind of straight back and being really, really cool about someone saying that about his wife to his face. But his face is saying other things in a way that uh, I think people have got used to seeing from Tom on Succession and with the kind of performance that Matthew McFadden's doing. One of the things I started thinking about, though, is before Logan died, it kind of felt like Tom was trending to a not dissimilar kind of position of power where he was looming in a way that was much more real than we would have anticipated in the past in part because I think Logan probably saw some of the same qualities might be a strong way of putting it in Tom though that Matson ultimately settles on I think Logan might have had a slightly higher opinion of Tom than than Lucas Matson, but at the same time I feel like he has been someone who has been identified by a lot of important people over the running of the show as yeah well this guy's this guy's serious and I, I think something I'll shout out Ty because Ty has said this I think he said it when he was on the pod and he said it in our discord a few times but Tom is one of the few people in the show who you know seems to be good at his job whatever whatever his job has been it's not like he hasn't got into plenty of scrapes but he actively does a job which is different to a lot of the under contenders and he can point to some successes um, across the course of that. So in that regard, yeah, I guess he, he seems like a logical candidate. And maybe someone who, if Logan had still been around, Logan might have just pre preferred to uh, entrust the whole company to Tom over any of his children anyway. Yeah, I mean, he had proven to Logan uh, his loyalty over the years, especially in the season three finale, as we saw another great Tom scene where he walks in coolly and confidently as he uh, sort of comfort Shiv, even though he and her both know that he had just shivved all three of them. And uh, I think we did our episode right in the aftermath of Logan's death. And Tom was the guy like we were worried about to make a racing analogy, falling back to the pack because he didn't have <laughs> the guy he was drafting off of in the race anymore in Logan. And instead, he has wiggled his way into good standing thanks to some good fortune and also just the nature of how he does his job. And, you know, some of the, I guess, shamelessness of, like, his personality and what he's willing to have said to him and deal with to just never be the one that's on the chopping block. Tom is like the ultimate LinkedIn loser, like, you know, yeah. top of the food chain LinkedIn kind of guy. That's and it's he's just relentlessly networking in the smarmiest way, in the smarmiest possible way. And, you know, at a certain point, you'll find enough people who actually you know, like, yeah, OK, I like I like having someone around me who's doing nothing but bowing at my feet and is willing to kind of, I don't know, bend to my every whim. It was certainly like a mission statement episode for Tom because it, it not that it didn't reinforce other characters, but it 
him especially because of just how the final outcome of him being picked as CEO. I mean, you're totally right. She basically came down the job without her knowing um, and ultimately went along with it. But everything about Tom of like how he is the pain sponge without knowing that he is the pain sponge um, and doing whatever is possible, even though and having little dignity for himself just because he wants this so bad, but isn't, you know, is the outsider of the whole, you know, legitimate uh, run of candidates that we followed throughout this whole series. Um, I'm not counting Greg because, you know, um, but yeah, it just, I don't know. I just felt like every, his, his little speech of like, I'm, a grinder, I'm vigilant, I worry because I worry about threats to my division, my crew, my physical body, all that stuff. Like it is it was just like as much as like Tom is like um sort of comic relief early on, the fact that it starts to change season three and then he makes the move sides with Logan as the kids are uh revolting uh so to speak and then just how how can he how can he he already got this far how can he get even farther when it seems like all is lost and it just does not matter to him how low he'll go and it's like that is <laughs> it like for that is the exact reason why none of the kids will, would ever make it that far or ever be where they are because ultimately like they still think of themselves or have too high of a esteem of what they are what they mean to the company specifically and it's just like i don't know it's crazy (laughs) i mean it's it's also like when he when he tells matson that he's a grinder and you know he's kept awake worrying at night like that's real because he comes from, I won't say nothing because I'm sure he comes from something to end up in this circle, but he does not have the billions as a safety net that the Roy siblings have. And even like in this absolute doomsday scenario that played out for them, they all just got considerably richer. The company was sold. They all pocketed, I don't know, one to two billion each. Um, Things are good, you know? I mean... <laughs> Kendall took it pretty hard, but he's got more money than he had before in a, you know, a solvent sense. Yeah. I I think Tom is also the character in the show who is most reminiscent of what a modern CEO is. And I think it's possible, like, that he might be the character that repulses, like, Jesse Armstrong, Mark Mylod, people like that, more than maybe anyone. And I I I always kind of had a feeling whoever comes out on top, that might be the character that really like the show itself, the people making the show hate the most. Because it yeah. was always gonna be reflective of the the absolute worst person in this ends up at the top of the pile. And I I think in some ways that kind of character, that kind of I mean Tom and none of these people are good people. We've been over that again and again. I think in a lot of ways, Tom probably does have more decency to him than lots of the others. Maybe he has more of a sense of reality. 
but he's also like I don't know Kendall could be a charismatic leader Tom could not there are fewer and fewer charismatic leaders in the world like it's it's not what the corporate world is, is made up of no but not having Riz gets you places these days yeah so I, I do think there's something even in the show that's slightly truer to life because it, the successor to a Logan figure is not who's the next Logan, which is like where Roman is speaking to himself in the mirror before everything went wrong last week and talking about, oh, doesn't he remind you somewhat of his father? The the replacement for Logan in 2023 was never going to be who's most like Logan. That makes no sense. It's not how the world works. It's not how the business is going to be most successful. It's company men, cold, hard killers who will roll over on anyone, who will roll up to anyone to get what they want. And Tom, I guess, ultimately proves himself to be that more than anyone else. I have a question. Yes. If she votes no... They keep the company. They go ahead with the plan. Kendall is CEO. Roman gets social media. Shiv gets ATN, I believe, was the plan they were carving up. I feel like they're all happy. Like, as happy as these people can ever be. Now, that's not to say, like, I mean, these people have never made straightforward decisions based on oh what will work out for me because as we talked about from the start they all feel like the whole thing is their right they're entitled to all of it not their share of it but going back to the scenes where we see them being the closest thing to a normal family that they've maybe been in the entire show not just even in the Caribbean but when they're in Logan's old apartment now Connor's apartment and the video of Logan is playing and they're just they're watching that and having the closest thing to just a normal moment of communal grief as a family it's like I, I do think there was there was a path to that where Kendall is CEO it's the only way Kendall's ever going to be happy ever going to be normal in like the mm, loosest possible definition of that world word um, Roman as big as he talked I don't think he ever really wanted the big seat. I don't think he that, was capable. That was what um re or rewatching it again and just seeing how it is. And that felt more like anything or like more realistic to me um than anything else. Like I know a lot of it was positioning, like, especially as it got layered towards or towards the end of the season and Evis uh the election episode and he makes the poll with Mencken and everything like that. And it's always with it's viewed with Kendall. It's not about Roman being alone. Yeah, you know I mean he says these things over the course of the episode, like um before the scene with or during the scene early on where he's saying to Kendall that like I still think it could be me kind of thing. And then Kendall just like bear hugs him in a way that puts him like in his chest and like make, causes his stitches to bleed again. 
I I heard a, I heard an interesting. Uh, this kind of goes back to the "is he in there? Let's get him out of there" conversation from the funeral episode. I I've seen a couple of people, and maybe heard once. I can't apologies. I can't remember. I've read quite a lot of articles, listened to some podcasts. I have seen that scene interpreted in a way that I, I do not agree with, which was that Roman is essentially saying to Kendall. I don't want that. I can't have it, but I'm here. So I can't be at the vote when I'm here because I look good. You know, when he, when, you know, when he starts the whole, Oh, look, I, I look good. And it could be me. It could be me. There are people who are interpreting that as basically Roman asking Kendall to, you know, make him not look good. Like fuck me up here. So I can be a part of this. And people would be like, no, it can't be him as this kind of outsized reaction to him seeing Jerry. That that doesn't work for me at all because I think it takes it takes the agency away from Kendall deciding I am going to rip open my little brother's eye here to reassert my position of dominance. Did, did any of you see anything in that, or did either of you interpret it that way to any extent? No, to me, I took it's... that. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. So, I was just gonna say I took that as him just like <laughs> wanting to make him look. Uh, unprepared, not ready at all, not in a, like, I feel like that's buried in, like, the masochistic stuff that Roman is clearly into, that Kendall has, like, it ultimately is, it falls I'll on Kendall, Kendall to do that. Kendall might be more into that than Roman, based on based on the, he gonna gouge his eyes out later in the episode? I thought that was, <laughs> like, the whole, he gets that's his true. hands, it was like, you know, Pedro Pascal on Game of Thrones After kind of ending. That, like, Chekhov's face eggs is what that was right there. <laughs> You're like, right. That was just <laughs> brilliant. Uh, but, I so Roman obviously sees Jerry, reacts in the moment like we know Roman can react when put under pressure by just the full acknowledgement of his own issues that he chooses not to confront all the time. And, and him saying, like, why couldn't it be me? Like, it could be me or whatever it was. It's like, almost to a degree asking like why am i the fucked up person i am that i'm not a realistic option in this scenario but also like trying to talk yourself into the possibility and then kendall coming in and like like you said just reasserting his dominance over roman and and just you know putting the 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 pain towards him both uh emotionally power dynamic wise and physically so that's how i read that whole situated situation it's also i mean i'll well, apologize i'm gonna turn my movie brain on for a second it's kind of two classic movies thrown together which is the speech kendall or the speech roman is giving is not a million miles away from some of the elements in marlon brando's famous speech from on the waterfront i could have been a contender i could have been somebody um and then to take it to another We'll say we'll say a series of movies. Brando's not in the film in question, um, but Kendall goes full of Godfather too. You just see pure Fredo's Roman in a way that just there, there can be no coincidence. I mean, Godfather has been coming up quite a bit in terms of I feel like probably all three episodes now that we've done on this, I've had some sort of Godfather comparison to make. But in a lot of ways, like 
that's kind of what the Godfather is, is a story of succession and a story of this this empire, this great family, and the wolves are at the door, and how do you how do you keep them at bay? How does this this dynasty carry on for another generation or beyond that? So I just um, amazing, amazing scene. Um so telling, so revealing about Roman's character. Like Roman, Roman really is the character that I they just I think they went in on in the most humiliating possible way in the past couple of weeks. Because even you get as I'm sure both of you saw was going around the internet plenty today, he's the t shirt he's wearing, which everyone was immediately like, that's a really childlike outfit. People have found out where the T-shirt is from, and it is uh, a boy's T-shirt from Walmart. Um, so it's quite literally children's clothes he's in in the Caribbean scenes. But there were more moments of that too. There were um, when the video is playing of that dinner party, and Jerry comes on screen. It cuts to him. First of all, he gets like all sweaty lipped, and he kind of wipes that away. It looks completely deranged. And then immediately, like, folds down onto the ground again. Like you'd see, like, a five-year-old who's just spotted their favorite movie on a TV in the corner of a room. And he's on the ground with his legs crossed, kind of looking up in awe. Um, And then, as I've also seen plenty of people point out on the internet, the final final shot we see of Roman when he's alone in a bar, well, what what is he drinking? He's drinking Jerry's drink. He's drinking a martini, which is what Jerry drinks anytime she's anywhere throughout the entire show um which if i have one issue with succession over its final few episodes i don't know why jerry just became so peripheral because of that group she was always the most consequential and kind of until this season i i just on, on every level like i don't know why you don't give jace mccameron more um maybe it is just as simple as for Roman, and it's kind of tough because her character ultimately came to serve Roman's character in a story sense. The best thing you can do is create distance to drive Roman crazy. By his own doing. I think uh I think Tom agrees with you that Jerry was on the the outside a little too much because as soon he's, he's he wants lock, her back in. Bringing her back in, yeah. I think he, I think he's right too. It's probably what I do. Jerry is a. Uh, Jerry is smart in a pretty uncomplicated way in that kind of role. I think we saw across, which again, maybe like she wasn't playing games in a way that some of the others were. And that kind of gets her sidelined aside from, of course, like being fired multiple times about to be fired throughout this season. And I think Jerry, if Tom demonstrates the due respect to her and her role in the situation, will be loyal to him Mm -hmm. in a way that Carl and Frank will not be, despite their competence. They were they're, they're for the chopping yeah, block. You know, that's exactly know. why they're on the that's why they're on the chopping block because he there's zero chance Tom would be able to uh trust him, those damn naysayers. <laughs> like that's well, that's the big issue. He knows it. He's been huddling with that group of people and he's seen how they behave as the underlings. Like that's the thing with the ascension. He gets he no one can pretend they're any other kind of way, which is kind of funny, like when Hugo comes up in full Weasley Hugo tomb immediately just with so much like swarm and Tom is essentially like yeah I see right through you I've been around you being like this 
I've been on the planes. I've been in the rooms. I know who you are. I don't want you anywhere near me. Like, and fair enough. I think Tom's game, life is going to be hard game. enough. Yeah, there's definitely an element <laughs> to that. Uh, the other thing I think that's worth pointing out just in any discussion is because we've talked about like Tom ending up as CEO. Tom might be the biggest loser of the bunch on the show when it's like who wins the show. His job is terrible. It's going to be so, so bad. Like he works for yeah. Matson and he's going to be in service potentially of Jared Mencken. It, it's going to be awful. It's going to be truly, truly awful. He's going to take all of the flack for being the face of that particular organization. There'll probably be even more of it to go around with someone like Matson at the head. And he's just going to be the face without any real power. He is the human meat shield, as one of you already said. But it's just like, that is a terrible, terrible job to have. And for him, he doesn't have the alternative. So it is almost his best case scenario. But the idea that he won, I think it's part of the reason, like there's, I've seen so much discussion of the final shot in the limo of Tom and Shiv. And, kind of trying to read into the power dynamics of it. Tom is in a slightly better place, because at least that moment he feels like, well, this is it, I've arrived. He is not exuberant in any way, because he knows what what's coming. He's going to have all the trimmings, it's going to look like he's the man in power, but, you know, day to day, once he's inside those four walls, it's going to be hell. I think... There's some part of him that loves it though, and like well, he he like yeah yeah. I mean, if as long I as I think he that's gets a dynamic his... of his of his marriage too, or it was for a long time. Like he's gonna he's gonna have some experience of that at least of just being humiliated and emasculated. I mean, that's what he's gonna get from his boss all the time. He's going to be the guy who is the bad guy when the heads roll, when the budgets are cut, when. You call an election too early. Uh, they go to Congress when... and they're suing Diamond, whatever group that is. Exactly. He's going to keep <laughs> doing that, which he's good at. He's going to have to be subservient to Matson and Mankin if he ends up winning there. And he's also going to get to keep bullying disloyal cousin Greg and the disgusting brothers will ride again. And Tom's got... He loves when he can hold something over Greg, and now he's oh, got yeah. another one of those. So he almost likes it since it worked out in his favor. He almost likes that he's got that in his back pocket now. The Shiv situation is tough. Uh, how that, I mean, the not locking the fingers on the handhold, just really romantic limo ride. Uh, really uncomfortable. Just going. Yeah. Gotta feel uncomfortable for them as well as for everyone else. Because even while it was happening, I'm seeing it the first time, like, Okay, one of them, one of them at some point here is gonna, it's gonna just wiggle those fingers. We're we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to fix this, and they don't. They just rest those hands there. When Shiv casts, now I'll turn it over to you, Jordan. After this, but when Shiv casts her yes vote for the deal, or I guess we don't see her do it. Um, but when that's happening, it reminds me of like my dogs. My dog Chip had several toys that, in his however many years with us of existence he had no interest in and then we get freddy and freddy wants those toys so it starts a war and chip just can't let freddy have those toys something happened to shiv where she thought for some reason i can't let kendall have this 
And it was, I it guess was when Tom, he sat in the chair. It, it wasn't when he sat in the yeah. chair. It was when he put oh. his feet on the desk from the chair. Okay, yeah. That's um, like, and, I, I and think the that Stewie is, and that talking the to Stewie. Moment. But that's it. So it's when he's talking to Stewie and he just gets comfortable with his friend. He leans back. He puts his feet on the desk, and we got a reaction shot of Shiv. And she is pretty like, what? What is going on here? Like he's in the chair, ninety seconds at most, and he's got his feet on the desk. From being and reluctant limo, to sit in the chair, Tom. Tom just has to know or assume, based on what he thought was going to happen going into that, is that he is only in that chair because his wife thought he was the lesser of two evils in terms of dogs that were allowed to have that toy. And it's just like <laughs> their path forward is just fascinating. I'm fine with not getting to see it. Cause I think they ended this at the perfect point, but just everyone is in hell to a degree. Uh, I mean, Maxon's still got the Ebba stuff hanging around. Who knows what happens with him? Like who's the big winner here? Uh, maybe, I don't know. That's a tough question. I mean, the thing with Shiv and the thing with Shiv's decision, which is the one thing when I first watched it that I was like, I need to see this again just to be sure about it, just to be sure that this feels okay, that it doesn't feel like a bold 11th hour, we do need to find a twist. And on rewatching, it didn't feel like that, and I was quite pleased it didn't. One, I do think... The feet on the desk matters. It's not that's not the reason she pulls the plug, but it just it reminds her of something about her brother. It makes her think of this is what he's going to be like. This is which I, I think the line, um, I can't remember what exactly Kendall had already given Shiv in uh in Barbados an I love you, but line which Shiv's turn to deliver the same comes later in the episode where she says I love you but I can't stomach you and it's it's exactly that version of him it's feet on the dead dad's desk that's what she can't stomach and it kind of I don't know like a loose tread that you pull at it unravels to all the truly despicable stuff about Kendall from there so the other thing then that I was trying to trying to work out after I watched it for the first time I was like is is Shiv decided when she leaves the boardroom like is she does it look like in Sarah Snook's face with the performance does it look like that nothing that happens there could have changed her mind I honestly don't know I wonder if they just left her alone which she asks if they, if they just left her to have a moment maybe maybe things are okay but Kendall starts talking and then he can't stop talking and he's begging and he becomes more and more annoying and all of the things that are in her head it's like there's there's no coming back from that and then he does himself absolutely no favors when all of the obvious grenades get shown about at him uh, about the death from season one I don't even know how to process exactly what Kendall is saying or doing there in a way where I'm like has he Which... has he reached a point where that's now so far removed from him that he's just like he's convinced himself it didn't happen? Is he is he playing dumb and he thinks that is going to work as a way around it? Like I just these people are all on a different planet. You know, they live in a They're... different world. And they're unserious and he panicked and was like, Which 
which of these yeah. statements is worse that I misled them or that it's true? I don't know which. Let me try both and also then lock it on one. Like it's just pure panic reaction and unseriousness. It's the perfect scene that blows up everything. Because everything, I think, to the, there's two things here that I want to go on, but like to your point about Shiv. It's interesting that she is the one that pulls the grenade because it's very, as I mentioned with Roman, it's like, yeah, like we all knew that Roman, if you're taking the the three kids, sorry, Connor, uh, um, that are vying for this role. I know we keep. I feel bad for him. I just, at least Shiv does say when, when Kendall says, I'm the eldest boy, Shiv's response is no, you're not. You're not. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, important. important that someone doesn't forget Connor. But well, sorry, was... sorry, just before Connor does have a different mother, which also would how that scene plays out in terms of what they view um yeah. as as the family probably has some relevance to that. But the irony yeah. in Kendall saying it that way and then what gets thrown at him by Roman and maybe even worse than Roman making those comments about um Kendall's children is is Roman framing it as I'm just saying what dad used to dad say. Said, yeah. Yeah, that Which might is... have been like the lowest blow of the series, especially with Kendall's mental state about his family and his mind being ripped away from him because of the safety issues that come with being around the Roy family at this point. Like I think the guilt he... that he's clearly carrying yeah. Yeah. pressing over it. And Roman senses it like a shark with blood in the water and just rips his, the gloves off and goes for it. I, the delivery of that from Roman did not feel to me like the way when he does that, though. He very, <laughs> like, matter-of-factly, it, it is almost like, well, I am just saying what, what Dad would say. Like uh, The first time around. The second time. Yeah, no, he, once, once it annoys yeah. him, well, that's that's the blood in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, the, the thing about, like, Again, Roman was clearly the the third on that order of like, well, could this actually be a reasonable um, way that this company can move on between these three kids? And he's clearly the third candidate. So it came down to Shiv. And the other thing too, like the whole episode is her just going back and forth of like, she's with Madsen, she's the CEO. Then he screws her over on that. He She's out of that. She has to come back around to kind of form again this alliance, but she still has incredible reservations about Kendall throughout. And then you think like, oh, everything's, you know, the happy ending that Succession is going to give us is that they're all unified and that they're all going to be happy and happy. Like you're, I think you, or Adam, you said it like, they're all going to be happy if that was the reality that they live in. It's like it, that. Do you agree with that though? Like I know the show is never going to, do you not, you don't don't think. I don't. Because they ultimately... Want... I think it's as close as they can be. To say, oh, these people will all be happy is a stretch. I, I really think... I think the, the unhappiest person of the bunch would be Shiv. Like, I, I think it's actually what Roman wants is for Kendall to, you know, be his big brother Had, and take the lead. Yeah. But also involve him in everything and be like, yeah, you're part of this with me. And here's your responsibility over here. Uh... Not to, you know, I'm not going to diminish social media, someone who works in social media, but that is what was being tossed 
Roman's way, which I don't know exactly. I was trying to remember. I was like, what? Do they own social media platforms? Is there like a truth social going on um, that, that they have? Because I assume uh, Roman is not just going to oversee, you know, what's going on on TikTok. But I think uh, Kendall said that specifically a little too much, I think. And you're right. I think it hurt his case. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing with Shiv, though, too, and again, to what extent any of this factors in, or if it is purely just she can't bear to see Kendall get it, and she can't bear to see him in that seat with that smile on his face, and to be able to kind of, whether he does it openly or not, to kind of lord it over them for the rest of their lives, her decision... It's... She she stays closest to power. She stays closest to power. Tom may be the puppet CEO, but he's the CEO, and she can pull those strings just as much as anyone. And if there's going to be two people pulling those strings, well, <laughs> Matson's the other one, and he's got a thing for her. And at any point, you know, I I think the relationship between them take that in whatever whatever kind of way you want to could remain something that the line is open. I don't think she's using it as a play, but the reality is for her. And again, then with her kid, I mean, who knows what the future of Waystar looks like and where Matson's involvement, maybe the whole thing crumbles and it just feels like she, she undoubtedly remains closest to power. Now, the irony and something that I, I've seen on social media go through multiple ways of discussion already with people nodding their heads in agreement, then a real backlash to it of that's not the case and it's insulting to shift to say it's the case. I do think regardless of how people want to receive it, there is some intentionality that I, I think the character on the show that Shiv dislikes the most and has had the most uncomfortable relationship all along is her mother. Yep. And she ends up in a spot where she is the CEO's wife. It's kind of her worst nightmare. It's not a like for like. She has her own money. She's independently wealthy, and she's going to be actively choosing to be with Tom. But really, in a way even... that the, the reliance is different, though. It's it's She's going to be choosing to be with Tom because... She has this kid. She's now got no one else in her life, and she can't. She can't imagine doing it another way. But it, it, that is, that is the tragic end for Shiv, where it may not seem as bad as a, as dark a place as Kendall ends up outwardly. But she might give herself a chance, but she also finds herself having to step into a role which is closer to what she watched her mother be throughout her childhood, her life, and what she clearly despises. And honestly, it's much worse because she even says it to Tom that he's the empty suit. He's the pain sponge. There's no power or any Yeah, control. It's, it's fake. It's fake. It, it's fake. And that is ultimately what they don't want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the thing about her decision to me, and it's kind of splayed out before it actually happens, is that when she's gloating about Kendall having lost, he doesn't have the numbers, he doesn't have the votes before the revelation that she's not going to be the CEO. She's saying all these things and she ultimately is the one that has the card to bring him down. You know what I mean? 
about but like... she she's also deluding herself because the reality oh, is of course. the CEO role that Tom gets where she's calling him an empty suit. She was going to be the empty suit and she was celebrating going to be thinking that, oh, well, it's me. So it's different. I'm a Roy. Like and again, that's kind of in a way that feels quite typical of all of Shiv's downfalls throughout the, the series, especially it's... this season. This season's she, having like four times. It, but um, it but it makes it has been so consistent with their character, they just amplified it even more that anytime that she put all her eggs in a basket, it's like all the eggs just broke on her. Yeah, you know I mean, and then it's like, well, where do I go now? Oops. Uh th- this way. It's like you're constantly going to this is gonna work out, this is gonna work out, this is gonna work out, this is gonna work out. And yeah, she probably picks the best outcome for that time being but it doesn't that is ultimately not she's not gonna stay static that's where like if they had gone with the happy route of it it wouldn't if a day wouldn't have passed where they get they have gotten that closer they are in the position that they are that they wouldn't stop the backstabbing and trying to throw each other off board it's Yo. impossible to be clear. Like one, yeah, that's yeah, not the show. Yeah. The show was never going to do it. I'm talking purely hypothetically in terms of options on the table. What is the best option for all of them? And what is the closest that they might ever get to being happy? I think it was that one. And um, these characters aren't interested in that though. Really? It's just, it's not what they're there for. We should talk it about Kendall. Like... Yeah. Sorry. Go on, Jordan. Well, I was, it's, it's exactly why the story stops where it does. Edit. For sure. Makes it even more perfect. Yeah, because you don't need any of them to rebound. Like, that's not... If you bring them back up, we know how succession works. Bring them back (laughs) up, you're going to have to bring them back down again. And this is kind of... This is, like, for Kendall, then, as we get on to... This is the ultimate low. He may well have plenty of other lows in his life, but nothing will equate to the low of losing his father's company, the company that he feels like was his birthright, the company he was promised at seven years old. I really think Kendall is, you know, Antion, great TV character. And I I get all the love that comes for every other character and comes for every other performance on this show. I just, Jeremy Strong is absolutely on another planet. And in a way that I, I find really fascinating because of all of the profiles from the end of the last season, all of the stuff coming into this season, the kind of the outsized reputation of this guy is a maniac asshole that kind of emerged in the wider public consciousness of, I will say his, his methods, not his method. He's not a method actor as he's, he's quite clear to point out, but he's, I enjoy even listening to interviews with him in a way where he's clearly a very pretentious individual (laughs) But he's also, I don't think he's bluffing in a way where I think people think he's bluffing because they associate him with Kendall Roy. It's Jeremy Strong really has all of the poetry and all of the references to literature and the arts. He has that stuff to hand. He is that guy. He is the extremes of Kendall Roy in terms of what Kendall Roy wants to pose as the kind of way he wants to position himself. And I just think, one, the casting couldn't have been better, and then the writing obviously evolves in a way where you've got Jeremy Strong to pin Kendall too, and I think that marriage turned out to be something really, really incredible. But 
his performance is just I've been saying it for weeks. I just wanted him. I wanted it to work out for Kendall. And he's terrible. The guy is awful. And I just, he is the one where for me, even at moments in this episode, I'm like, <laughs> when he frayed out Roman, I'm like, fuck yeah, Kendall. Let's, let's do this. There's just something about it that was really, really powerful in a way that I, I cannot think of too many actors who've given performances like that with that power, with that magnetism. And in a way which is kind of dynamic, it's very far from one note because like this episode, particularly we got like the smiliest, happiest Kendall we've seen in quite some time. Kendall Mm -hmm. doing voices, joking around. It's like the only other times we've seen Kendall like that for even a second he generally wouldn't get out of the scene without everything crashing down. He at least got like 30, 40 minutes where he thought he had it together and everything was happy. But you can see the path to Kendall. I I guess maybe that's ultimately why his arc is... Sorry, Ty, if you're listening. But the defining tragic arc of the show, I think he, over this season in particular, showed a lot of stuff where you're like, you know what, if this guy wasn't born into the Roy family, he could probably be a really successful businessman. You know, if he didn't have all the hang-ups that came up with that, and if he didn't have that kind of singular crazed mind and the entitlement that comes from being a Roy, if if he was Tom, if he had his characteristics but a Tom-like journey, God, that guy would be unstoppable. And I think the show ultimately did a really good, particularly when we look at where we went to, where you know we all had an episode where we're like Kendall's dead, right? <laughs> Kendall's dead to effectively bring him back from the dead, and not just be like, oh well, remember who he was in season one, and play on the, you know, the eldest son elements of that's Kendall's stake. I think this season kind of reclaimed. None of these people are serious, but Kendall Kendall comes closest to being serious. And just just as he looks like he's serious, it's always when he's gonna lose his grip. But I just eh. I I was enraptured all season, and that continued in this episode where he I just I found him convincing. I found him convincing right until the moment where you're like, Oh, you're a mess. You're you're just begging and you're shouting and you're screaming, you're completely irrational, you're trying to gouge out eyes push over pregnant women you know do you not see these these rooms are made of glass kendall this is not this is not wise yeah i love jeremy strong and i think and i know you would agree with this as well um but this is a profession and an art form where you know what you're allowed to be a little pretentious and like it has served his career and character here quite well i'm in excited to see what he does next i know he is acting movies as well um armageddon time and the big short come to mind um uh the trial of the chicago seven which is a performance oh, yeah, I'm, sure wasn't I'm less in on but but i'm in on his attempt he was really going for something there um and yeah i think what makes this tragedy that he set out to tell um jesse armstrong and mark mylod and all of the above so tragic in the end is that Kendall was the one who like legitimately cared the most about getting the job and doing the role and trying to emulate and 
I guess in his mind, probably expand upon the empire that his dad has built. And he's had that opportunity taken away from him, and there is no chance for him to get it back. That's done. Whatever you do with the rest of your life, and you could be very successful, you're independently wealthy, especially now with this um, deal, you can go start whatever startup you want to start if it was the hundred that they were talking about a few episodes ago if you want to do that you want to continue with all the peer stuff you can have as much success as you want but there's still going to be a little part of you that's dead inside because you didn't get to sit at daddy's seat and uh i think this season did a great job of like you said bringing him back to the dead and giving us glimpses of how he could be effective and competent in this role and then showing in the end how much he wants it but how much he just, there's just something there where you don't deserve it and you're going to lose the fly ball and the lights as soon as it's coming down into your glove. And sorry, Kendall. But yeah, Jeremy Strong, the MVP of the season for me, um, the MVP of the show. And uh, yeah, Kendall Roy, all-timer in terms of uh, television characters. I mean, a lot of characters in the show. Logan, obviously, um, uh, for... Uh, sidecar hijinks obviously a lot of people are gonna say cousin greg and uh i think uh, before we get out of here we'll probably have to touch on him because we haven't touched on him too much but yeah um kendall i thought his i I said it before but it was illuminating him talking about how um how he doesn't see roman fit for the job and everything like that and i forget the turn of phrase but he talks about it in a way where he can't he's deluding himself by realizing he, or by thinking that he he's up for it, but is actually not that close to it. And he's ultimately talking about himself. That's where, that's where it's, it, it's true of both him and Roman, but like, that's why when the hammer falls, it's you, I don't know if you see him at his lowest, but you just see him at his most petulant child. Yeah. I mean, he's not wearing the Walmart shirt that Roman is wearing, but. They're all he, children. Look, ultimately, they're all like, children. It, exactly. It does that. We've been we've been falling into that trap with Roman as much as anything. I mean, even there's something very childlike about how Shiv handled everything in the whole episode, too. Yeah, it's just them looking like nine, ten year old kids lording over each other while they want their dad's attention the most. And when their dad is not there or dead, they're left to their own devices to t- torment one another. And it's like that's <laughs> that's the Roy family. That is where it ultimately stands and where it's going to, you know, whatever is left of anything. But yeah. It's it's also literally how it's it's what we have been shown every single episode since the start. It's the opening titles. The titles are yes. photos, footage of them. The tree of them, four in some cases, but mostly tree, I feel like, as children. It's children. We're looking. We're looking at the Roy children, and time may have moved on from the footage that makes up the titles, but state of arrested development. I've said it before. They are all still children. They've never had to grow up. Like, and yeah. part of that is is Logan's fault as much as anything. All of it really is Logan and Caroline's fault. Uh, cousin Greg. Okay, I I should have done this earlier so that we weren't finishing on Cousin Greg. But you're right. We haven't brought cousin greg into it i have soured as i think most people probably have on greg in recent weeks he's become a lot 
harder to just be like, oh yeah, like when Greg makes me laugh. Uh, I did, I did get a kick out of him slapping Tom back, uh, being so quick to that. Although it's not quite as noble a thing as I think it just is. Well, Greg's Greg's grown to have friends in high places too, so he feels like he can. Uh, it's not standing up for himself as much as feeling like, well, I have people who will stand up for me. Um, I I mean, it's fitting, and his arc over the course of the show is, I think, kind of impeccably managed to become this incredibly, like, a pivotal cog in everything that happens, to be the person who, in this last season, he had everyone's ear, mostly because nobody took him seriously. So everyone was prepared to talk around him, to to bring him out and get him drunk and make fun of him, but just let their guard down when Greg was around, because who cares? It's Cousin Greg. And he was at least smart enough to be able to leverage that, and not to be the fool that everyone made him out to be, but ultimately to still be a pretty significant fool. I love I love Tom claiming him with the sticker on his head. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's the good stuff. And ultimately, Tom is the CEO now, and nobody can Greg for him like Greg. He's made this clear. And regardless of what Greg's title might be in the new Waystar Go- Gojo, wouldn't be surprising for me if he's just... Gregging, as Tom would put it, for Tom. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's Greg's role in this. It's just to be bumbling and to do the Greg work. I rewatched the scene where they're in uh, the hearing and they talk about the sixty-seven times that <laughs> Tom emailed him. What is it? Uh, you have to break a few Gregs to make a Tomlet, and that will never get old for me. And I think there will be some more buttoned up without a paper trail versions of that in Greg's life moving forward in whatever kind of footstool way Tom decides to use Greg. <laughs> uh, throughout the episode, Greg just talking or Tom talking about with no information how he's just going to have to like, you know, I might be able to keep you, but I'm going to have to slash your salary. Like it was just gold because all Greg tells about is, or cares about is like, how can I keep moving forward in this world? I don't belong in. And like, I think Greg should be happy to keep his head, his, you know, he's very tall. So this is easy depending on the body of water, keep your head above water and keep interacting in these circles. You have no business being in and, be happy and maybe his uh his folly will make him realize that i am the eldest boy might be my favorite line the whole show i said that earlier but certainly a close second if not my favorite is if it is to be said so it be so it is uh my my (laughs) personal favorite from the deposition which i don't know just for whatever reason reminds me of uh the coen brother tale caesar and what did it work so simple? Uh, there's, there's just something very much like Elden Aaron Reich in that scene. And because of Greg in that one. One question I was thinking about, because I feel like it, I, I really strongly believe it's not something that these people involved are going to do as much as HBO would love it to happen. Um, but people have been throwing out like the ideas of if you were to see a spin-off, what would you like to see? Who would you like to see? 
the way I will reframe that is is there a peripheral character and it can be really peripheral if you want in this show that you just you wish you saw more of and you would watch more of on that character Andrew is nodding vigorously here so you've got an answer not even close it's Stewie 100% I'm 100% with you I came out of this episode and I'm like every time he walks into this guy rules he also he (laughs) seems to have it together where he can just like talk shit trade shit back and forth with Kendall Kendall is like yeah I know you I saw Stewie has always got his shit together Stewie is this might be the only time where it feels like Stewie has picked the losing side. Like he's he's generally yeah. got a pretty good record of being with and in all honesty, he the, it, but he it picked the winning him. side. I mean, he picked the side that should have had the votes because he wasn't expecting one of the Roy's to, to turn around and throw him under the bridge on it. But I just Stewie is so, so good. Um, I think Arian Mayad, I think is the the actor's name, if I'm remembering that correctly, and he is great. And just the entire energy of that character, every time he's been in the show, has been amazing. But a character that's been used just a little bit more sparingly than I would have liked. And I feel like you could just drop Stewie in industry. Stewie is perfect for industry. Get him in that world. We just we need more Stewie somehow. The thing about uh, him backing the wrong horse, just with everything you said about him being so put put together, is that's going to be like water off a duck's back for, yes. for him in the long run. And uh, I saw him, the actor, in a movie over the weekend where he plays a very sure different is. role. And I'm a, I'm a fan of his work, so uh, more Stewie. Jordan, do you have any answer? Any peripheral character you wish you saw more of? Or I don't think I do. I just I I I just view it as a sorry to pull a page from uh, Jeremy Strong or uh, Matthew McFadden is it Fadden or F- I I I go with the Y throws me off the Y throws me off too I've never seen a Y <laughs> in the name like that um, honestly the E A N too like it's just there's a lot going on there yeah the first Succession podcast I called him McFadden because the Y was really messing with my eyes so that's, yeah uh, yeah it's a tough one. Um, I just view it as such a unit that I can't. But I'm t- I'm why... talking of what you saw, so that's I'm reframing this. So from what you saw, what character would you? Is there someone you would have liked to see more of? Like it can be a Frank or Carl, or whoever. Oh, I would be. I would definitely like seeing Frank or Carl. I think Greg, seeing how he probably you know capitalizes on his um bumbling perception and folly at, to the top <laughs> 10 year, ten years down the line. I think that is probably the natural answer that a lot of people have, but I think that's as far as I would go. I, I don't find a lot of other characters all that compelling. Maybe Hugo weaseling his way elsewhere to another company. I don't know what it would be. Someone I wouldn't have minded seeing more of in a like a Matson way because it really was. I mean, I, I get, I get why it was so brief. Although the same issue would apply for Alexander oh. Skarsgård. Adrian Brody's character, I, I, I could have done more of that in the mix. You're making that face. I think there's there's good potential for 
how he would mesh with everyone else and what I wonder that is going to be a Josh Aronson, right? It was his name. Much better yeah. than his Peaky Blinders appearance. I'll say that much. That's, I, I didn't okay. even know that happened. So that's what I was going to go at. I wonder re-watching the series because I will be doing that in Me too. near future and just seeing how it stands together. I just wonder if that was like a like a like a I don't know not prototype but like a precursor to Madison because he I can never just think of Adrian Brody as like an actor or in a role I just think of him as Adrian Brody and I don't understand based why. on what like what I don't know I don't think I've seen a lot of him in any movies maybe like the shitty Predator movie that he made that he was in I I have no idea I've not seen Anderson. the pianist. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You're familiar with the work of Wes Anderson? <laughs> he's not, he, I don't think Jordan. I don't think I've seen the uh, the ones that he's been in. He's, he's fantastic in them. Um, was he in Moonrise Kingdom? Am I missing out? Don't I believe don't he was he's in, in Moonrise Kingdom. He's in Darjeeling. He's obviously one of the the leads. He's one of the brothers in Darjeeling. Uh, fantastic in Grand Budapest. I saw him on uh, he's... Saturday Night Live. Incredible in the French Dispatch. He's great. French chew, Dispatch. Chewing all on all the scenery. It's tremendous. Uh, Bro- Brody is. I'm generally pretty happy when Brody shows up with something. He's his career choices have been weirder. I mean, I was going to say of late, but over a longer period of time. But always, always good to see him. Um, what happened to Comfrey? You know. Do you think they just decided to get out of that business for a reason? Might have been some, might have been some real world elements of play there. I don't know. Who could say? Is, G- is GSPN expanding anytime soon? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, we'll leave that to Numak. He's our, he's our guy with his, with his toe in those uh, political waters, and he can, he can work that one out. I think that pretty much does it. Any final thoughts? Do we want to do? We want to conclude with the question I've been kind of asking in recent weeks and building to, which is, where's the fall among the all-time great TV shows? I mean, I guess you can only answer that personally to some extent, but where's the fall for both of you guys? Andrew, it's on my Rushmore. Uh, shout out Wes Anderson. Um, uh. <laughs> We've got things like The Sopranos, The Wire, Mad Men for me in Breaking Bad, and like I know there's only there's four heads, right? Uh, my friend lives in South Dakota. I should know this. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Succession's right there in the mix. I mean, they uh, they pulled it off, and uh, like you guys said, at some point I'll rewatch it. I got movies to watch, Adam. So not gonna do that anytime soon. But uh, yeah. Well done to Jesse Armstrong and crew and uh, all-timer. I, too, would say on my restaurant, uh, Breaking Bad, Sopranos, little thing called Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, just enjoyable. I think uh, to big picture thing of, of, I think I probably talked about it on the last episode, but my biggest thing was if it came down to it, I felt like the board would be the one to to stop it. 
and the fact that they made this such a personal decision and it fit the theme of this season and how dating back from the end of season three where they all are a, a unified front for probably the first time in the show I, i'm forgetting back beyond that point but and how it follows them throughout this whole se- season and it keeps going fits and starts fits and starts it, it People go off in their separate ways, come back together, unified, and it just keeps going on and on and on. And the fact that once it just finally breaks, it's just like it it doesn't it hits so wonderfully and it leads to the to Kendall's line of saying or screaming, I am the eldest boy, which I was that the last thing he like his last line? I don't think it was his last line. No, there's still, there's there's more in that scene. There's still mid argument. Yeah. But it essentially just ends everything for him you know and that choice of like of my at least one of the few expectations that i had going into the finale it just hit it out of the park of just like how how fucked up everything is with this entire family and this company and everything like that and they they ultimately win because they get everything that they want in terms of riches and everything like that, and they are more broken and empty than ever. And like Roman's sh- like sly smile of like, you know, not to just say he's the Joker, but he is ultimately the biggest, you know, um, wild card and uh, volatile person of just like everything is finally broken. I'm glad to be rid of everything. Aaron Culkin's one of the few people on the planet who could play the Joker. He's he's unlucky that that window has just closed, because I actually think he would be a fantastic, fantastic Joker. Every Even there's yeah. an element to his voice there where there's, there's not a stretch he could have his own thing. Um, it's... I think I'm settling on it being my, my number two show for now. The Wire is number one for me, and I honestly don't know if that will ever change. Um, but I think it's number two, and then you've got a broad mix of Sopranos and Twin Peaks and The Leftovers and The Americans and Lost and Curb and The Tick of It. and I don't know. I could go on and on. Um, but I, I think I feel pretty good about it being maybe only behind the wire for me. Breaking Bad too, although throughout this whole exercise... I don't know what it is. I Breaking Bad does not. Every time everyone else says it, I loved Breaking Bad in the moment, but I have this thing of just like, yeah, I'm not sure. Cause I don't. Know. I, don't, I, don't I, think... I don't have any instinct to revisit it, and I've kind of revisited most of those other shows. I don't know. What part of that was Better Call Saul, that which I I didn't watch all of. I watched some of a few seasons, and I was just kind of like. I'm kind of personally, I understand that the show is great and a lot of people, but it is the better show at this point and one of the greatest shows ever. I was kind of just like, I've had enough of this world. Um, and then El Camino certainly tipped me over the edge where I'm like, what are we doing here? What is the point of this? I'm now getting sidetracked. Uh, I'm not saying Breaking Bad isn't great. I love it at the moment. But in the zoomed out, like, is this one of my favorite shows or do I think this is objectively one of the greatest shows ever. To me, there's something about it that feels 
different to The Wire, The Sopranos, Succession now, Twin Peaks, certainly something like Twin Peaks. There's just... Ah, there, maybe there's an element of snobbery with me there. I think there's there's an elevated... There's, there's an extra track, I feel, in those three shows where Breaking Bad is some of the finest, like, pure entertainment that honestly has ever been made for tv i don't know you know what maybe i should rewatch it sometime maybe i should work this out in another podcast rather than just throwing it out here to anger probably all of our listeners at the end of this episode but what's done is done yeah the next tv episode we do here will be when me and jordan stay up for like a week straight and then just run through Seinfeld uh, directly mm. uh, from episode one to the last one and then just come on and the whole episode is just quotes. So that that's very possible. Well, that sounds good. I think people will be in for that. Um, The next episode in this feed is about Paul fucking Schrader. <laughs> I cannot be more excited. It's honestly, it's like I saw Master Gardener yesterday. Just what a time we live in. What a time we live in where near 80-year-old Paul Schrader is just out here <laughs> doing what only he could do. I cannot wait. I honestly cannot wait. Um, when I'm ready to make all sorts of bold proclamations, um, I'm just dialing up pure, pure Schrader for next week between now and that episode. Pure, uncut Schrader. That's all I'm going to be living off of. I cannot wait. I'm going to hook up a car battery to myself and just uh, run through First Reform and Card Counter over the weekend, and I'm real excited for the, the visions that I have after that. I cannot wait. If you've any interest in Paul Schrader, go see Master Gardener. Um, and maybe like don't, don't dip into the discourse or even participate in the discourse coming out of it. Just just let the Schrader experience wash over you and then be like, oh, because it's the same, but it's different. And that's exciting. I cannot wait to talk about it. That's pretty much it for this episode. Until next time. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Cross GSPN. We've got Eurostep Podcast Network main feed, home to win in six with myself and Jordan, and Eurostep with Ty and Rowan. Covering all things Milwaukee Books. Are we now up to is there two episodes? Two episodes since the Adrian Griffin hire up there as we speak. One with Ty and Jordan and the Eurostep with Ty and Rowan more recently. I'm sure we'll get a win in six or some sort of collab episode together when the books decide to actually announce the thing and schedule a press conference. So you got that to look forward to? Maybe? We'll see. Talking to Tundra. All things Packers. Uh, Jordan, I won't be so cruel as to ask you what's coming up on the next episode of Talking to Tundra. But rest assured, everyone. You want Packers talk, there's no better place than in the company of Jordan Tresky and Numac. Cruising for bruising. Andrew and I have you covered for all things Milwaukee Brewers. We just celebrated our 100 episode. Big milestone, a lot of fun. 
We were joined by Kurt Hogg, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It's up on the feed right now. Go check it out. That's all our podcasts. Yeah, I think for a second. Is that everything? That's everything. Trader next week. Until then, thanks again to all you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you.